0: hello there welcome to cga radio i'm your host grace becker and today we have a very special guest we have veronica jimenez with Cardenas markets she is the vice president of maintenance and construction thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me really appreciate it so first of all i just want to get to know a little bit more about your role at cardinus and all of your responsibilities there so uh
1: it was the title kind of (laughs) associates (laughs) We handle all things uh, for building health facilities in general, whether it be equipment or the building, you know, lighting, flooring, uh, plumbing, all the fun things that keep these buildings uh, wheels moving. And then all the construction, whether it be new initiatives at stores, uh, new stores themselves, um, anything that can be construction
0: related, that's us awesome so you've got a few a few different buckets there is there do you have a favorite part of your position that you oversee sure i mean part of construction also
1: leads into so many different umbrellas right um we also handle the architecture we use a third party, but uh, I review all the plans. Um, also, the decor side of things. Uh, I used to be a consultant for Cardenas Markets doing decor, so now I still do that in house. So obviously, my heart is very close to that. Um, it's definitely an exciting part of the job. So yeah, there's a lot of facets to the construction piece itself, and um, you know, I love that I get to learn something new every day on the maintenance side of things because it's. Mm, it's you may think you know everything, and then something new arises, and you learn something new, which is actually my favorite part of the job, if I'm being quite honest. Learning something new is is my favorite thing.
0: Yes, not everyone, you know, gets that opportunity, I guess, so that's nice to kind of get to learn as you go. Um, I want to get a little bit into your background as an interior designer. As you just mentioned, you were contracted with Cardenas, and then you joined their team. So could you tell me a little bit both about your background in interior design and then how you ended up at Cardinus and the evolution of your role?
1: Sure. I'm I went to design school, uh, ended up with degree in interior design and interior architecture. Um I've always been creative, you know, candidly I wanted to be a fine artist or a fashion designer and you know, my dad is like you do have to eat one day and get a job. So uh, that kind of got put on the back burner but I love interior design itself because it's art that's tangible. You get to live in these spaces. you you breathe, you eat. I mean, the value that a space adds to your overall life is exponential and financial because you know if you've got a great space, someone's going to buy that. If you have a great space, people will come, they will come, they will purchase, they will buy. So uh, that part of the the job itself, I think is very exciting for me. Um, I start off my career doing model homes. Um, and then I did a uh, small architectural uh, construction documents and little remodels in a residential company. And then it just kind of grew to do more custom homes from that. Um, and then I started just kind of doing some consulting on my own for residential. And I ended up <laughs> starting hospitality design, which was kind of out of the blue. And we did lighting design for um, large hospitality chains both in uh, macau australia uh, a lot of las vegas work um, you know for larger companies like the Wynn and the venetian um, in these sort of places obviously uh, the birchwood casinos again it's a it's a such a fun space to be in and it's so grand and the scale is so large it's a whole different ballpark um you know we were actually Designing the fixtures themselves and fabricating, and collaborating with some really exciting other designers, um, and that was just a whole lot of fun. I can't uh, explain it any other way. It's just you. I learned so much about lighting that it's so mm-hmm. silly, but lighting is everything. Like if your lighting uh, is wrong, uh-huh. it will ruin all things. Not even a can of soup will sell if the lighting <laughs> sucks. Right? Like yeah, it, it matters. It matters a lot. So um, I think that it's so funny how such little things in every type of job I've ever had kind of have been led to the perfect mix of what I do today, right? Mm. Because it's all leads to how do we sell things better, right? Right, right. <laughs> Which is what we're all here to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from there, I uh, worked on a on a custom home with people that grew up in the same hometown that I did in Mexico. And um, they happened to own a grocery chain. And so They enjoyed the work I did in um, their homes. And so they asked me to help them out looking at the new decor package for their stores, because I think it was difficult for them, um, you know, coming from a small town of Mexico to what I guess I'll call a large grocery chain type vendor thinks Mexico looks to them, if that makes Mm. sense. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the perspective was off and... Um, it was very colorful, and not to say that most Hispanic grocers are not in that way, but I think it was not the feel of our particular hometown. Um and so they they brought me in. And I think it just became kind of a great facet based on all the experiences I had had before. And um, anyhow, uh, I created some relationships, and then I worked um on a few other chains, and then Gardanas uh, ended up being came on my radar, uh, due to someone I had worked at smart and final with. And so long story short, I was asked to come help with some door core packages here. And then, um, they asked me to join the team. So out of all of that, wow, here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. What an evolution. <laughs> it's funny the way I always say, you know, you, you
0: plan and life happens, right? Right. Wow. Well, I personally, I've told you a little, but I am so fascinated by design. And even when you were just talking about wanting to be a fashion designer, I mean, wow, agree, agree, <laughs> relatable. That's that's really interesting. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get more into your your take on design. So what would you say is your personal philosophy when it comes to design?
1: Oh, I think that's kind of a hard one. I, I don't know if I would say I have a philosophy per se. I think the way I I come at a design challenge is how are we going to tailor this for the end result, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what I'm always looking at is I feel like sometimes everyone gets so excited with all these trends and new design elements and this and that, and they just want to throw everything in the kitchen sink at a design element because they saw something and it's so cool. It's, mm-hmm. is it servicing your end? result? Is it servicing your end use? Is it going to service um, someone using the space? And how are you going to feel when it's all said and done, right? I think those are the key elements to a good design, right? And what I feel and what you feel are going to be very different things. And I have an innate skill that you can tell me three things about yourself, and I could probably already tell you a 100% of what you're going to like and what you're not going to like. And it's just maybe years of experience or just a sixth sense I have, but it's difficult for me to maybe do things for myself, but I can Mm -hmm. tell you exactly what you need and what you are going to love and, you know, how to get you there. Right. So, right. Wow. What
0: you've, you've touched on this a little bit, but what role does the physical space, the design, everything, the architecture, what role does that play in a customer's shopping experience in your opinion?
1: I mean, candidly, I think it's, it's the most important thing, right? Because right. you know in lighting design, I'll say if your meat per se is lit inappropriately or not with the right um, undertones, it will look great to you. It will look unappealing to you. You will not want to eat that. And so therefore we're losing sales, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to create a kitchen space for you and I have covered it in so much, you know, chaos that you can't even figure out where the tacos are to even get to the purchase, then it's, it's, maybe you think it's a cool space, but the end goal is not what it's intended for you to buy me more things, buy more things from us, right? So Mm -hmm. the full experience of lighting the food appropriately, lighting the elements that you want appropriately, creating a space that's inviting, right? right? Creating a space that's going to draw your attention to the key elements. Do I want, what's more important, right? If I have Tomatoes next to sweet bread. You know, those are both important things in our business. How am I going to get you to buy both? But they're not going to compete with one another. Those mm-hmm. are the type of things that are key elements in in design in a grocer, specifically, and kind of making it so that you don't leave anything unnoticed, but you're also not overwhelming a customer with, "Oh my gosh, where do I look next?" Right? And so. Right. I can, there's that fine medium. Are you a Costco where everything's in a rack and you're on a, on a maze and on a hunt because you know, Mm -hmm. the value's there and and I'm just gonna, it's Costco's going to tell me what I need, right? Or Mm -hmm. is it this my day-to-day shop? And I want to experience everything that a Hispanic grocer has, right? I want to experience the tamales. I want to have the sense. I want to be able to to get these specialized items in the frozen that I can't at a traditional grocer and so how do i as a designer get you to that frozen aisle to get that really spectacular uh item that you can't get anywhere else right so that's mm-hmm. why design is so imperative because if i can't get you to that corner of the store then it doesn't matter if i have the best food in town right so right. those are the type of things that are are very important in my line of work i mean i know it seems silly but if it looks horrible and it's dark and it's a you know, a dreadful box, people are going to walk in and right back out.
0: Right. ambiance makes a difference. Yes. And shoppers spend so much of their life at grocery stores. We and really I mean, you want them to enjoy where they are at the experience. So that all makes sense to me.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> um, would you, how would you describe Cardinus's design, the the kind of feeling that you're trying to evoke when people walk into your store? Stores. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because
1: we have a, an older fleet of core stores that are very, very, very traditional. And anytime that we touch them, my goal is to keep them lighter and fresher. I think mm-hmm. uh, I'll call it our, our millennial down customers really don't want kind of a heavy feeling. Not that tradition is an imperative, but I think they want to focus more on the products themselves and not so much on on this space. And we have an older generation who really likes these kind of warm touches, these very homey feeling. And so I always try to bridge that gap when getting to our spaces. But the what we call our next generation stores, my goal has always been to keep it very fresh, keeping it imperative that our core customers, our first generation Hispanics, aren't losing that flavor mm-hmm. of home, right? But also mm-hmm. still making it that if Someone has never spoken of day of Spanish in their life, and want to experience this great culinary experience that is Hispanic food. They are not stressed, they are not confused, they are not overwhelmed by the experience because everything's you know signed appropriately, it's lit well, you know the smells are in the right places, and all these things. Because um, I think if you make it more available to as many customers, it's only going to help everyone's experience, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: makes not sense. Not have it be intimidating, but still exciting.
0: Yeah, inviting and exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what I would say, so based on your past experience, and I'm sure you've touched on this, but what kind of tenants or or uh, rules, I'll call them, in interior design translated most easily to the grocery space, and I mean, were there any surprises there?
1: Color psychology is a real thing, mm.
0: right?
1: Uh, color association is very important. And you find this in marketing, you find this in, in graphics and in so many things, but it really does matter how we associate subliminally to color and what that means from an end user. And, you know, if I'm going to paint, you know, bright purple around my meat, no one's going to be buying that. It's mm. just because this is the way color coordination, uh, complementary colors, how it reads to your brain. It matters and you know that is something that I use on a day-to-day basis. Um and also lighting. I mean, like we, you know, started out with this, right? Yeah. Lighting is so much, it's so important. And then also um just color flow, um, and just an understanding of of what's going to enhance each element as unique as they are. So
0: mm. is there a particular card in a store or just a project within a store that is your favorite that resonated most with you?
1: Oh my gosh,
0: so much. So uh, I'll have to
1: say our our newest store in Montclair would be one of my favorites. Um, our It's our next gen design. I think one of my favorite parts of all the stores are our kitchen department or cocina. I think it's just really exciting that we have it so customers can see what's happening in our, in our carnitas that we're very much known for. Um, you know our great grilling of the chicken, and we have created this fun little building so people can feel like they're part of the experience. And you can look in and kind of see the action. I think that's an important part of what we do that sets us up, sets us apart from a traditional grocer, right? We have mm-hmm. so much theater, um, so that's really fun for me. It's how do I enhance your experience as a customer to come in and see our theater, um, the theatrics of it all, and, and really make it so that it's not uh, too much for you either. So it's just,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this looks really cool. I love this space. Can I get a pound, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. And I'll come back next week too. <laughs> exactly. I will bring friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you just were talking about the next gen kind of design in general. Mm-hmm. Where do you see kind of trends going in store design? And to that end, what do you think the modern grocery store looks like from a physical perspective?
1: Sure. I mean, I think trends are are so subjective, but I do really think that keeping a fresh experience overall, and what I mean by fresh, fresh is just lighter, right? Uh, fresher colors, brighter. Uh, farm field. You know, you will hear this farm to table uh, everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon. You know, being kind of a, a big player in in spaces that are to go, I'll call it, or grab-and-go or delivery, um, I think people are looking for that uh, freshness now, right? And so mm-hmm. getting that to translate to a customer, I think, is really important. Um, and I think that's uh, newer generations care more about what goes in their bodies, I think, in general. Mm-hmm. I think when you're making the effort to go to a grocery store and not eat out, that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for right. that better option because it's like, okay, I've eaten out too much, so let me try something a little cleaner. So I think um, it's our job to get the customer to feel that they can get that wherever you're at, and you know, um, you can get a mix of everything. So I think that's definitely a trend forward in um, in the grocery space specifically. And I think moving forward, um, it's just really trying to keep uh, the core of our, of what we're about alive, but still making it accessible. And I think I've mentioned this earlier, but you don't want to lose your heritage. You don't want to Mm -hmm. lose what makes you special, but you also want to make it safe for anybody of any culture to come in and be excited about this same experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Not be intimidated. Absolutely. Yeah. So in the industry and at CGA we're always talking about how grocers grocery stores they really anchor communities they're like what we call the anchor tenant a lot of times yeah. in a retail space they bring other businesses they like create a thriving vivacious community uh can you kind of speak to how that plays into how you select new locations and um kind of where you want to grow as a store
1: sure i mean Because of just being a a Hispanic grocer in general, we are in underserviced communities. Uh, You know, a good portion of our stores are in low-income areas. And I think it's important for us, not only from a community standpoint, um, because our customers and, quite frankly, our team members are part of those communities. And it's important for us to not only service the the communities with great food, um, obviously accessible pricing, but really just kind of that at-home experience. Uh, We work with a lot of local charities. Um, We have fantastic uh, Cardanas Foundation who helps with education uh, scholarships for a lot of these communities that we're in. And when selecting these sites, um, I think it makes a a big difference, like you said, being that anchor tenant and getting this community an accessible grocer, that neighborhood market that's going to not only be a place of eating for your family in this, in our culture, food is everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. This, this is why around the holidays, we have so many different events and, and, you know, we have great um, experiences for the day of the dead and, you know, we'll have altars set up at stores and have the community be able to come in and bring in, you know, photos of their own families. And I think there's just so much uh, elegance and so many different uh, nuances to all these cultures that I think it's really exciting for us that when we're being put into these communities, that all these people kind of join in um, and creating the experience with us. So, again, that's not the end all of the location, but I think it's a fabulous byproduct of being in these other <laughs> service communities, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, this is where our core customer is. And um, it's just been a lot of fun to see the growth in the communities that we get to join in. Absolutely.
0: So I wanna ask a little more specifically about kind of when you consider new locations, like what are all of the you you just spoke about, you know, you are often in underserviced communities, um, but what are all of the factors, like what what areas do you research in terms of kind of deciding where a new store will go?
1: We have uh, obviously metrics that are specific to what who our customer is. Um, And we look for specific type of demographics and um, obviously location in the street, uh, location in in a community itself, and proximity to stores that we have, competitors, all these things kind of play a factor into the actual locations. Um, And obviously density of our of our core customers, obviously very imperative Mm. to us. So, yeah,
0: yeah. And what, from a design perspective, is there anything you look for there or is it sort of like you can, you can customize regardless? Well, I think, you know,
1: I guess designing in the center itself, which way you're facing and these sort of things Mm. are are important, um, obviously because if no one can see you, if no one can tell that you're there, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose of being in the right place, but no one can find us. Um, but really from an interior design aspect, um it's nuances will change, right? Like I may mm. do something a little more showy in Vegas for it being <laughs> Vegas than I would in, you know, the quiet community here in Southern California, right? So those little elements will get, um, tweaked based on geographical location. But for the most part, uh, our core customer is, is relatively the same, um, kind of design need, if you will.
0: Mm. Going back a little bit to construction, the construction space, that's yeah. typically kind of stereotypically a very male-dominated sort of environment. How yeah. have you navigated that? What's been your experience? And do you have any advice for women kind of in a similar dynamic? Oh my
1: gosh, that's a, it's a loaded question.
0: So yes, it, <laughs> it is a, a male-dominated
1: industry. And, you know, it, it has its ups and its downs, right? It's mm-hmm. funny because I don't typically like to join in, in let's say, Zoom calls uh, with video or imaging for that very reason, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think unfortunately, as soon as someone sees you, they assume maybe you don't know what you're doing or um a lot of assumptions arise when people see who you are, specifically that you're a female. Even if you're on a on a black and white screen and your name is is female, um I think it's just a different experience. And Mm -hmm. I think once people get to know you and once they understand that you know what you're talking about and then they meet you, it's a completely different experience, right? So that's the tactic that I've used, um, a tactic, excuse me, that I've been using as of recent because I just feel like it's been uh, a little bit more helpful to kind of stop a lot of the stereotypes because they go both ways, right? Just the stereotype Mm -hmm. of people think, oh, men are in construction, Um, you know. Us ladies, we're in the space as well, and we do know what we're doing, and we can yes. communicate. Um, but it's just a little difficult. I mean, listen, I think any woman in some sort of a power space gets labeled in some way, shape, or form—positive, negative, whatever the case may be. It's just par for the course. And so I think that has been a challenge: um, getting people to just stop and listen, and follow the plan, because mm-hmm. there is a method to the madness, and we'll get there, just because the way I do things is a little different, because male and females, we think differently, bottom line, um, but the end result is going to be really great, so just go with the flow for a minute, and and you'll see that it'll work, and then once people have done it once, it, you know, we're fine. I think my advice to, to young women, or women in general, is just don't give up, don't let one bad experience scar you from you know being able to grow in a space that's really exciting that um is really fantastic for women i mean the thing with construction is you have to be an octopus at all times <laughs> you have to be <laughs> 17,000 things at once especially when mm-hmm. you're project managing especially when you're handling so many projects and i think um that's something that females were really good at mm-hmm. i mean we are very good at multitasking this is a skill that it is innate to us not to say that men aren't but it's it's our nature. So the fact that that is a core need for this type of job, I think um, I think sometimes women get caught up with, I don't have all this experience. I've never done all these things. But just because you never have doesn't mean you can't. and doesn't mean you won't be successful at it. I mean, if you never try, you'll never know. I mean, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You fail and you try again. Mm-hmm. The best thing that could have happened is you learn something from it. And I'm all about It's funny, my husband and I have this conversation as of recent, like we're really trying to teach our kids to fail. And I know that Mm -hmm. sounds silly, but I feel like, you know, everyone gets a participation trophy. Everybody's, you know, you're doing great, you know, no big deal. But no, life is not that way. Life is really hard and you go through a lot of failures, but that's what's going to make you really successful in the end. So getting the kids to understand it's all right if this went really sideways, what are you going to do about it now, right? What's the next steps? what did you learn? What did you take away? And how are we going to change it next time? Because if you're always, you know, A plus doing fantastic, I mean, where's, where's the growth in that? There's not much. So I think uh, just pivoting the mindset and making sure, you know, you push through, obviously no one wants to be put in horrible situations and I pray that no one is, but sometimes mm-hmm. life gets a little difficult and you just got to push on and then it, it's great in the end. So. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Point. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh, it sounds, it sounds like, there's a lot going on, but it's still really fun. (laughs) I mean,
1: I get so ecstatic when I walk into a job site and it's in complete disarray, like walls are down, there's Mm. demo. It is the most exciting time to me. I have the gift of vision. I see it happening. I see how it's going to rebuild. I just get elated and most people are like oh my gosh how can you handle this and I am jumping for joy because this is the fun you are physically tangibly building a child that you will get to see forever and ever and ever. So yeah. I just think it's a fantastic uh place to be in. So
0: yes and you get to actually experience other people experiencing the space which I'm sure yes. is super rewarding after you know it being on paper for a while. Yeah exactly absolutely I have just a couple more questions. Um is no there A piece of design it doesn't actually have to be only design advice but career or design advice that has stuck with you to this day that you still reference
1: oh my goodness I mean I think design advice is edit always edit Mm -hmm. when you think you're done take a second look and edit Um, I think sometimes more is more and sometimes less is more, right? So, and mm-hmm. sometimes more is more. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it can go all the ways. But editing, I think, is a skill that is important for any type of job in general. Um, and I'd say the best advice that I've ever gotten is uh, get over yourself. <laughs> That's and a classic. Silly, but <laughs> girls, we just get in our head about so many things. And you take little, you know, I think especially when I was younger, right? Like mm-hmm. someone would say something and you're like, was that about me? What's happening? This and that. And it's like, get over yourself. Just don't take anything <laughs> personal. And yeah. honestly, I have, I think also being a female in construction, I have very thick skin. Um, and it's actually served me so much in so many elements of, of my life, um, both personally and professionally, because, again no one should be in a space where they're being braided or horrible things are happening to you. But honestly, when you don't take things personally and you know that we're all here to get a job done and, and I'm extremely direct, um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but anyhow, par for the course. And (laughs) I think it's just, we get so much done and, and we progress so much and we're able to just grow and, and really just get a lot of work done, which is the exciting part.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question. What is the vision for Cardenas next or, and its growth? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I wish I could share all my secrets, but
1: uh, definitely growth is is on the radar. Um, we're working on some really exciting design elements that hopefully you'll get to see here in the near future, which is going to be really fun. Um, but, yeah, I think just growth in general, I think that's about uh, the most exciting thing I can share. But it's gonna Absolutely. be good. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean my opinion is a little biased, right? But yes, I think it's yes. gonna be really
0: good. So
1: I'm excited. We're all excited yes. to see it. <laughs> yes, you all need to come join and have some carnitas and, and experience yes. good lighting.
0: I, I, oh my God, that sounds like a perfect day if you ask me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on CGA Radio, Veronica. This was wonderful. I loved hearing your perspective on all things design, grocery, lighting, all of it. So <laughs> thank you so much for I joining us.
1: rambling on, but I appreciate no. your
0: time. I appreciate it. I love it. I'm very passionate about lighting myself. So it's great to hear it that it is for a reason. <laughs> yes. yes. Ladies, lighting is everything. Lighting is everything. Well, thank you so much. This has been CGA Radio. And once again, we were just speaking to Veronica Jimenez with Cardenas, and I'm your host, Grace Becker. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by Kimberly Clark Corporation. Poised by Kimberly Clark is the number one household leader in light and feminine care products, and is the only brand in the category driving household growth. Poise's consumer-focused approach centered on comfort, protection, and sustainability makes it a leader in repeat customers, loyalty, and annual buy rates. Plus, Poise is the undisputed leader in sales, contributing 60% of overall growth in the category. If all of this tells us one thing, it's that Poise is the brand for light-end customers. Thank you to Kimberly Clark for sponsoring CGA Radio.